Okay, our first scripture reading today is Psalms 92, 1 through 4, and then we pick up again at 12 through 15. So it says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing the praises of His name of the Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your steadfast your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp and the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works. At the works of your hands I sing with joy. And then on to verse 12. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. In old age they still produce fruit, and they will always be green and full of sap, showing that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteous in him. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading is in 1 Samuel. It's the end of chapter 15, verses 34, and it goes into 16, verse 13. Then Samuel went to Ramah. And Saul went up to his house in Gibeah, in, in Gibeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to, sacri- I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he took Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Adminadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel set out and went to Ramah. The Word of God. So on this Father's Day, I've been trying to figure out what to say about fatherhood. And when this story came up in the lectionary, I was like, okay, so Jesse's a dad. He's a pretty famous dad in scripture, so maybe this 
will tell me a story of what fatherhood would look like. Because honestly, I was kind of struggling when I figured out that I'd be preaching on Father's Day, especially after Alicia, Alicia brought it on Mother's Day. I thought, okay, I've got to show that I can talk about dads in the same way Alicia can talk about moms. And everything I thought about, about what fatherhood is, I couldn't find a way to be like, okay, well, this is distinctly a dad thing. Uh, because mostly, for the most part, when I think about my relationship with my girls, I think of things that I enjoy, I love, that bring me so much joy and happiness. But I couldn't say, well, that's just a me thing, and then Alicia's got her stuff. There's not anything that is distinctly fatherhood. So I start reading this scripture text to try to decide what to talk to y'all about. And I think maybe reading Jesse being a dad would, would bring me something. And it didn't. But this, <laughs> but this story did through other spots. I saw three distinct examples of fatherhood to me. Um, but none of them came from the actual dad in this story. So as I was struggling through it, I saw God and through extension, Samuel provide these examples of what fatherhood is at its best. Now, this does not mean that it is distinctly fatherhood, but it is something that all fathers should aspire to. So as a recap to the story, Israel's at a low, low point in her history. The people of Israel are jealous of the nations around them for having these charismatic, boisterous kings who can keep their people safe and expand their borders and lead a mighty military, and they want something similar. They ask God, who has said, you don't need a king. They say, but we want one. Everyone else has one. They have all these, you know, movable arms and little toys. It's a bad joke. It's kids with toys. I'm sorry. Um, but they keep saying, we want what they have. And he says, okay, if you want it so much, I'll give you a king. And he gives them Saul. Now, I don't know how many folks remember, Saul was not good at his job. He did not pass his 90-day review. Uh, and so... There was a need for a new king. And so that's where we lead off today when God says to Samuel, Go, I have chosen a king already in the sons of Jesse. Go and anoint the new king. Anoint who I tell you. So he goes to Jesse and under guise and taking part in a sacrifice, he goes to find and anoint this new king. Jesse shows up with his seven oldest sons. The first one shows up. And Samuel says, oh, this guy must be it. We don't know why he says this must be it, but I can picture somebody that looks kingly, somebody that, you know, has a square chin and just looks like he can just take control. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, but this is when one of the most popular Old Testament scriptures shows up, maybe second only to Jeremiah 29:11 and Psalm 23. When God says to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or on his high stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. People might look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. In a world that focuses on outward appearance or on charisma or on gusto or fronts that we can put up, God sees who we really are, and also who we really could be. You see, what Jesus saw in David wasn't necessarily who he was in that moment. He did not see David the shepherd 
as much as he saw David the potential king, as much as he saw David the man after God's own heart. This is what God does in our lives. God sees our hearts and our potential, both as individuals and also as a community. And for that, that's what fathers are called to do in the lives of their children. Fathers are called not just to consider the, the kid in the moment, the kid who they are in that day, but also consider our hopes and dreams for them, to consider who they could be and who they want to be. I'm thankful for my dad and for the father figures in my life who have helped me find out who I am today and helped me see who I can be and to give me the example of how to do that for my kids. So that's the first example of behavior that could be fatherhood in this, in this text. Look at the heart of those around you, not only at who they are, but also who they could be. And that's what God told Samuel. And Samuel's job then was to listen to God's word persistently and compassionately. In that moment, Samuel saw in Jesse's oldest children the easy route. He saw the guys that look like leaders. He saw folks that look like what common sense would tell us a king is supposed to look like. They were older and by natural extension must have had all sorts of common sense that actually had them come with their dad to this thing instead of the go ten sheep. But Samuel didn't want to do what was easy. He didn't want to follow common sense. He wanted to follow what God told him to do. This, of course, is what we're called to do as those who follow Jesus. We might be tempted by the easy, by the common sense, but we're supposed to follow the word of God even when it's hard. The word of God, of course, as John's gospel explains to us, is Jesus. We're given the word of God through the example of the life ministry and death of Jesus Christ. Jesus is what God has to say. So ultimately, like Samuel, we're to follow the word of God even when it's hard. Now it's hard to follow the example of Jesus, especially when the example of Jesus calls us to speak out against systems that operate opposite of how Jesus would want us to act. We're seeing that today with the government's recent policy on our southern border, where Almost 2,000 children have recently been forcibly removed from their parents as they try to seek entrance into the United States. It's so strange on this day when we celebrate the fathers in our life that we have to mourn the system that is literally taking children from their own fathers. Now, this is an issue that has sparked responses from all sides of the Christian life. Franklin Graham recently called it disgraceful and terrible. The head of the Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Committee Dr. Russell Moore said, we can do better than this, and I agree with him. Bishop Michael Curry, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, who y'all might remember recently uh, led a pretty high-profile wedding, um, said, we do not separate families. We do not separate families from children. It is not American to separate children from parents. The American people must say that. But that's the world we live in. That's the world I have to raise my kids in. For me, though, fatherhood has become living the example of the word of God, especially when that pushes against the word, world who has forsaken and exploited our neighbors. But all this brings me to the last example of fatherhood I found in this reading. But to see it, we actually have to go back to the beginning of the text. As we said before, Israel suffered under the hands of her first king. Samuel's upset 
about it. Samuel's grieving it. But Samuel's not the only one upset. The text tells us God is sorry he made Saul king. Now, God is sorry. I know that's kind of a, a theologically tough thing to accept because we, it goes against our understanding of a God who doesn't do anything wrong. But I think it's important to sit in for a second, especially on this Father's Day. When we talk about God our Father, we talk about a God who knows what it's like when you're raising a kid or speaking into someone's life to realize that you could have done better. I struggle with this with the girls all the time. I say the wrong thing. I roughhouse a little too much. I miss a good teaching moment. Just yesterday, um, when we were running, trying to get ready to go down to the wedding, I had been up a lot, long time on Friday trying to prepare the sermon. So I had my laptop out and it was plugged in. And I we're running around trying to get ready. I'm getting dressed. Alicia's getting dressed. We're in the back of the house. I come into the living room and I see Winnie running around with the charger cable from the laptop around her neck like a boa. And Eden's just playing in the room. And I'm like, Eden, because I, I couldn't find the laptop anywhere. So I get the, I get the strangle hazard off of Winnie. Uh, which is a daily thing. It's like every 15 minutes, you got to keep her from strangling herself. Um, but I look at Eden and I say, where's the laptop? And Eden says, I don't know. And I look at her and I say, you're supposed to know. And then just seconds after it comes out of my mouth, I realize she's six. She is not her sister's keeper. And she is definitely not my laptop's keeper. <sighs> and so I realize I could have done that better. It's important to remember that, that when we have the strength to ask for forgiveness, when we have the strength to be sorry, then we're following in the example of God. We're following in the example of God who speaks through Samuel. We're following the example of Jesus when Jesus tells us to pray, forgive us our debts just as we forgive our debtors. Sometimes as fathers, we repent of things we say or things we didn't say. Sometimes, as citizens of a country, we repent of how our country has treated the least of these. Sometimes, as children of God, we repent for how we could have shown love of God to others. But no matter what, we should take heart, because our God is the God of second chances. Our God sees the King David in us when all we see is David the lowly shepherd or David the adulterer or even Saul who couldn't get anything right. Our God is like a father teaching his child to walk right there to pick us back up and rejoicing for each new step. And in both fatherhood and in life, we need a lot of second chances. So rejoice in the chance to try again. Rejoice in the opportunity to follow the word of God and rejoice in following a God who doesn't just look at the outward and the what is, but also in the inward, in the what could be. Let us pray.